All right. Good morning. I am so glad you're here. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm glad you are here. Even if it's your very first time, we're so thankful that you are here on this beautiful, beautiful fall day. So, with that being said, hey, last week we kicked off a new series of messages called Strapped. Say Strapped. So, I asked this question. How many of you have ever been strapped before financially? Raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of people have. Today, what I want to share with you is this. If you will listen to what I'm going to share with you today in particular, and you will apply it to your life, I promise you, you don't have to be strapped. The problem with people today is they live in fear. They live in fear of the economy. They live in fear of gas prices. They live in fear of interest rates. They live in fear when they go to the grocery store because I know it's out of control. But God is still on the throne. Say that with me. God is still on the throne. He still wants to bless our lives despite what anything's going on, and it's all His anyway. So, with that being said, I kicked off last week and I talked about how that when it comes to our perspective, it's God's perspective about money. If you weren't here and weren't able to see that, go to our YouTube channel. If you have not liked our YouTube channel, be sure to pull it up and subscribe to it. You can see it there. You can also go and check out our app. You can check out our, um, our website and all that. But here's what I want to talk to you today about is about giving money directions. So here's what I want to do. Everybody reach into your purse and pull out a bill. Pull out the biggest bill that you have in your pocket right now. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do it. And then when you finally do get it out, I want you to, I want you to shake it real quick. Just everybody get one out. Go ahead. A lot of you thinking, I don't carry cash. I only carry a debit card or I only carry a credit card. Shake it. All right, everybody got it out. Keep going. Everybody keep digging it out. Hold it up real good. Now, ushers, come on in right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just kidding, just kidding. Okay. Now, when you look on this fabric, everybody agree with me? It's not paper, it's fabric. It's just actually fabric. Does it have any directions on here to tell us how to use this stuff? I think you need to look on the back of it, and there's four words on every... Every note is called a note of money. It has four words. What does those four words say? Say it again. So the question is, does money have directions? Yes, it does. In God, we trust. And so if you want God to trust you with more you got to trust him with what he's already given you to do it his way. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you're struggling, and there's times that things are going to be empty, I'm not going to say there's not going to be lean time, but if you're struggling on a consistent basis, it's because you're not doing it his way. So today, we're going to look at a practical application of telling our money where to go when it comes to saving and investing. Because there, in this room, there are two types of people. There are those who are savers. And there are those who have the spiritual gift of spending. They do. 
How many savers do we have in the room? Raise your hand. You're a saver. All right, 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 right. How many of you here are married to a spender? Raise your hand. Oh, they have just ratted them out big time. Oh, my goodness. So how many spenders do we have in the room? You're a spender. Yes, yes. Hey, Dave Ramsey with Ramsey Solutions says you're, there's nerds and there's free spirits, okay? Today, what we want to do, we want to jump in and learn from the ants. I'm not talking about Aunt Bessie. I'm talking about ants that God made on the ground. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become what? What's that word? What's that word? Become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. I don't know how many times that you and I have been at picnics in the summer and you end up dropping a french fry or whatever on the ground. And next thing you know, you see a whole army of ants and they pick that french fry up and they're walking off with it. Because they're thinking about later or not just thinking about now. See, ants are an example of using their energy and their resources economically and responsibly. And that's what this is all about for you and I. Look at Proverbs 21 and verse 20. It says, the wise say, what's that word again? The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. The modern translation of this, when fools spend whatever they get, that's called living paycheck to paycheck. Now, I shared uh, a stat with you, I think it was last week, but I did some additional research. I don't know if you know this, but about 15 years ago in America, in the United States of America, there was about 55% of people that were living paycheck to paycheck. In the last two years, it had risen up to 70%. Well, they just done a new poll to find out that right now, 78% of Americans are living paycheck to to paycheck. That means one paycheck away from disaster. So this proverb here is about saving for the future. It's easy to have credit, and many people have that, but it puts them on the edge of being in bankruptcy. And the issue is, is that we try to keep up with everyone else when it comes to appearances and the things that we can get. We spend every penny that we can get, and we leverage and stretch that credit to its absolute limits. So anyone spending all that they have are spending more than they can afford. A wise person will always put money away for hard times. God will bless those who exercise, listen to this, financial constraint. God will bless those who exercise financial constraint. So today, what I'm challenging every single person here is to examine your lifestyle. Is your lifestyle God-pleasing or is it self-pleasing? That's what you've got to look at. So when you think today, what to save for? What do I save for? First and foremost, you save for emergencies. I've been eyeing the iPhone 15, this titanium. And you know, <laughs> that's not a need, that's a want. My 14's working just fine. Let me tell you what you save for an emergency. If your roof gets a leak in it, that's an emergency. If your car breaks down, that's an emergency. If your water heater goes out, that's an emergency. But also, you want to save for 
purchases, okay? That's very important. Now, I know you've probably seen those brand new Christmas trees and you're thinking that yours is old and you still have to put lights on it. You want that new LED one. It's got the punching program so that when that one competitive family member of yours comes over and looks in your living room, you're trying to one-up them. That's not a reason to buy that, okay? If you're going to buy it, make sure that you can pay for it. If you can't pay for it, don't do it. Whether it's a coat, whether it's a car, whether it's a couch, don't go in debt. Pay for it as you go. But also, let me tell you what else you need to save for is the future. So many people are living in the moment. How many of you have kids and you want them to go to college? Raise your hand. Yes. Well, the first thing you can do, especially here in the state of Tennessee and in our area, is that Ball State College, you can go there the first two years for a big goose egg. It's free. Thank God for the state of Tennessee. That's where they would go if it can fit within that paradigm of where they're going with their, with their, with their degree. I get that. But start saving today because the day is going to come when your kids are going to go to college. If your kid wants a car, then you tell them, every dollar you save, I'll give you a dollar. Every dollar you save, I'll give you a dollar. It's going to come a day you're going to have retirement. And you're going to come a day when you don't want to work so hard and you want to transition out of that unless you want to be a Walmart greeter. Now, there's nothing wrong with Walmart greeters. If you have the spiritual gift of, hi, smiling, there's nothing wrong with that if you love people. And so I'm not dissing Walmart greeters. But I will say, have you seen some of the characters that walk in Walmart before? Think about that. Here's the problem. Not many people are doing what I'm talking about today. And why is that? Because they don't know how to name their dollars, give it direction, and prioritize the money to where it can go in the right direction, the biblical direction. Because in life, there's always going to be needs and wants, and people are buying their wants, and then they don't have any money left for the needs that they have. Now today, what I'm wanting to do, I'm wanting to be able to help you how to prioritize your money. At doing that, I want to do a simple illustration. I've done this before, but it's very effective, and I want to be able to help you to understand what that it is. Now, when it comes to money, we all make money. We all have different jobs. We all have different careers. We, ha we all have different levels of money we make each month. And so what we do in God's perspective, we want to be able to know that God wants us to tithe off of what he blesses us with. We know that we have expenses. That's something that we're going to have. And also, we want to be able to have an emergency fund. So for the round figure, what I want to say is, is that $100 a month, I'm going to use that for the norm of what I'm going to go through here with. So let's just think, I'm going to get paid my $100 this month. And what is the first thing I do when I get my $100 in the month? First thing I want to do, if I want God's blessings and be a blessing for God, I'm going to bring the tithe to God. And then I have $90 left in order to be able to take care of expenses. But because I, everything is so much higher and I've been living uh, beyond my means, I've been spending more than I need to be able to spend, and I've been buying things with money that I don't have to impress people I don't like, I don't have anything I can put in an emergency fund, so I have to put it all in the expenses, and you have nothing left. However, say however, when you begin to have a mindset that you are going to embrace and you're going to embrace God's way of doing things. You're going to have self-control. You're going to learn to say no now so you can say yes later. You're going to embrace the value of planning. You're going to work a budget and you're going to name those dollars. And you're going to spend less. You're going to maybe downsize on your car. You're going to brown bag taking lunch to work or you're going to stop eating out as much as you normally eat out. And because you have cut your expenses, you've been able to cut down your expenses at a rate of $20 so you can put money 
into your emergency fund. Now think about an emergency fund. I don't know if you know this, I just read this this week, that one-third of Americans say that they can't even cover a $400 emergency that if it came into their home. But the good news is about that is that you need to not only have a $400, I recommend you have a $1,000 emergency fund because things are going to happen in your life. So the good news is when you begin to start doing things God's way and you're bringing the tithe, the hymn off the top, you're taking care of your expenses, you're trying to work on a budget, you're trying to say no to things that tempt you to get, next thing you know, you get a $10 rebate check in the mail. And man, when you get that and you say, wow, that is awesome. I got a $10 rebate check. And then next thing you know, you saw something laying around in the house and you put that on Facebook Marketplace and you got $20 for that. See, you got the $20 from the Facebook Marketplace. I'll get my money right here in a second. Now it's $20. There we go. So what do you do? You got this extra $30. So I'm going to bring the tithe over here to the Lord. And next thing you know, because I did that and I'm working a plan and plan to work, I've got $27 left to put into my emergency fund. Now, you get paid again. The next thing you know, when payday comes again and you got the next month, you got the $100 that you've got right here. You have been diligent of thinking about looking at your budget and being sure that you're a good steward of what God blesses you with. So you decided that you would babysit your sister's son that you don't even like because he's rambunctious. And then you were able to make $10. See, and then you had that rich aunt that you always made fun of because she had whiskers. She died and she left you $20. So there's $20 that she has left you. Wow, man. So next thing you know, you've got a total of $130. So what do you do? You're going to bring your tithe over here. There's a 13 in there. And then you have got $70 here that you're going to put towards your expenses. And then look what you've got left. You've got $47 left to go into your emergency fund. See how that works? So what you do, you stay the course, you keep being diligent, you keep staying focused, working the plan and planning the work, and before long, you will have $1,000 in your emergency fund. And then when you have it, you forget it's there. So when something happens, you don't have to put it on the credit card. I don't know if you remember, I think I said it last week, it is now, credit card debt in America has eclipsed $1 trillion. They love your credit cards. Nothing wrong with a credit card as long as you pay it off every month. Every month. Every month. So, when you get to the point that you've got your emergency fund fully vested, then you're going to move to another bucket here. You're going to move to your debt bucket. And you say, okay, what do you mean by that when it comes to the debt bucket? Your payday comes again, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to do your tithe. You're going to do your expenses. You're going to start working on your debt. And you start want to get the debt out of the way. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the debt snowball? Raise your hand. Debt snowball. If you have not, a lot of you have. If you have not heard of it, it's when you, it's basically is a debt restruct, re, reduction strategy to where the, you put all your discretionary money that you can after your tithing expenses and you put it toward the smallest debt. When you get it paid off, then you roll that in. You don't spend it. You roll it into the next debt and you snowball it all the way till you finally get to the point that it is paid down and everything is paid off with your debt except for your mortgage. And that's when you celebrate and say, man, I'm just, I'm just really doing doing good here. You know what I'm saying? 
I've got all my debt paid off except for my mortgage. And it might be time to celebrate. doesn't mean you run down to Opry Mills and spend $1,000 on designer clothing. You might go over to NCG and get some popcorn on a Saturday morning matinee. But then after you get done with this debt and you get to the point that only, you only have a mortgage, then it's time to swap buckets again. Then you want to go to the invest bucket. The invest bucket. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, think about it. You've been working your plan. You've been planning your work. You've been diligent. You've been asking God to help you not to get caught up in keeping up with everybody around you. You've been trying to be a good steward of what God blesses you with by tithing and being able to get rid of your debt and taking care of your expenses. And next thing you know, you were blessed so much. God blessed you. You got the promotion at work. And then you went from $100 a month to $130 a month. Well, in that gesture, you say, okay, God, I'm praising your holy name. I'm going to bring the tithe to you here, God. You have blessed me so much. I want to be a part of kingdom building. And then I'm going to go to my expenses. No, wait a minute. You reverse it at this point. You move expenses over here. You move investment over here, see? You say, what do you mean? Pay yourself. You pay yourself. That's what you do. You brought the tithe and you want to pay yourself. And I would advise you to get into a pre-taxed account. And in this particular situation, about 15% of this would be $20 to put in there. But at least consider you bring the tithe and do the 10, 10, 80, at least do 10%. And then what's left over for expenses and things like that. Okay. But when you do this, you realize, man, I'm going to take over here and I'm going to get the rest of my expenses. And look what you've got left. You've got a chunk of money left. And you begin to think, God, you have blessed me so much. I want to be a blessing to other people. There's this guy at work. I want to be able to bless him because he's having a tough time. Or, you know what, God, greatest gift offering's coming up, and I haven't, I haven't really given you anything. I brought the tithe back to you, so I want to be able to give to the greatest gift offering and be able to make a difference above and beyond. Oh, I want to be able to get, I want to be able to get another, another, be able to get another Christmas box for the Operation Christmas Child. Man, I haven't been able to get nothing but a Manny, ladies. Now I can go Manny Petty, and there it goes right there. I got a Manny Petty. Or guys, you've only been able to afford playing nine holes. Now you've got money to play 18 holes. That's how God will work through you if you're willing to work the plan and plan the work. And if you will say no for a little while, you can say yes a whole lot later. But unless you're faithful in the small things, don't expect God to trust you with a lot. I love what Dave Ramsey said. He said, if we live like no one else now, one day we can live like no one else later. So let's think about money for a moment. There's two ways to make money. People making money is first and foremost, working hard with that. But look what Paul told the church at Thessalonica in his second letter to them. He said, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. This is a great reverse here that totally refutes being lazy. Let me ask this question. How many of you here, and I'm going to raise my hand first, at some point in time in your life, you were lazy? Raise your hand. How many of you know somebody that's lazy? Raise your hand. Oh my goodness, a lot of people want to be lazy. says you don't even deserve to eat if you're lazy. I was blessed to grow up on a farm, and it was hard work. But up to about 10 years old, I was lazy. We were tobacco farmers, don't judge me. Smoking won't send you to hell, you just smell like you've already been there. <laughs> but I didn't want to work. It was hot, sweaty, dirty, nasty to work in tobacco. 
But what changed my mind at about 10 years old is when my brother, that's about five years older than me, I have one sibling, and then he would break out and show me his wallet and he would show me money that he had. And I thought, how'd you get that? I worked. Okay. I thought, man, I need to change what I'm doing because I don't have that. So I remember going to work for another farmer friend of my father's in the summer. And when I went there, I got paid $2.50 an hour. That first week, I worked very hard all week long, and I saved up my money. And you know what I did? I went and paid cash for a 20-inch brand-new bicycle. And then I never looked back then, and I said, you know what? If you're going to have anything, you got to work hard. How many of you here, how many, how many single ladies do we have in the house? Raise your hand. Single, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Okay. Let me tell you something, single ladies. Whenever you are wanting to find a man, you don't find a man because he's a hunk. You don't find and go get a man and, and, and date him to be able to date towards marriage because he has potential. First off, you start dating a guy, you make sure he's got a J-O-B first right out of the gate. A job that he has got something planned to do. You just don't marry him because he looks good. You got to make sure he's going to take care of you, okay? I just want to throw that out there. Listen, you got to work and make money. And if you don't want to work hard and make money, you don't deserve to eat. But also, not only people making money, money making money. That's another way that money does. You get interest working for you. Jesus told a great story in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, about how that the master was going away and he gave one man, he gave one five bags of silver. He gave another two bags of silver. He gave the third one one bag of silver. Well, what did the third person do with one bag of silver? He didn't even make any interest on it. He went and buried it and it brought nothing. And look what he did here. Look what it says about the one that got five bags in Matthew's gospel 25 and verse 16. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money. Say invest the money and earned five more. So he doubled his money, he invested in it, he put the money to work. So we can work and make money, and our money can make money. So the cool thing is that our money can make money when we're investing it 24-7, 365. My wife and I got a statement from our pre-tax account that we put in the other day, and it was making money. And you know what's so cool about it, making money? It makes money while I'm snoring. That's cool. That's what it does. How many of you would really love in your life to be a great investor? Investing now and for the future and most of all the kingdom of God. I believe that about you. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about some investing rules that is biblical investing rules so you can understand how to reap the dividends from it. First and foremost, you don't invest in things you don't understand. You just never do. Look what, look what it says in Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. It says, by wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Once again, it's through understanding. Let me reiterate what I just said. You don't invest in things you don't understand. So in other words, is if you go ignorantly into making investments in something that you just don't have a complete thorough understanding of, you're likely going to lose out on the investment that you're making. How many of you know someone that's made an investment before and they lost out and they did because they didn't understand it and they got a goose egg out of the deal. They got nothing. How many of you know somebody's done that? Yes, that happens. If you're 
in a financial position right now to be able to start making investments, be sure that you get advised by a financial advisor that does not have a dog in the fight with you. In other words is, if you're going to go somewhere, make sure you go to a fiduciary. If you don't understand that term, get with us. We'll help you understand that. But sometimes the best investment that you can make is the one that you don't make because you don't understand it. Second thing is, when it comes to investing rules, do not put all your eggs into one basket. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. But divide your investments among many places. Say many places. For you do not know what risks might lie ahead. How many of you have ever heard that great risks give great dividends? You ever heard that before? Well, you got to be sure that the risk isn't in one investment. You've got to divide up the investments. A great illustration is this. My grandfather was a farmer as well. He had a manure spreader. Who knows what a manure spreader is? Raise your hand. Okay. A manure spreader is the way they used their form of fertilizer to make the crops grow. And he had this manure spreader and he would pile up all the manure in the back of it. And man, you talking about stinking. It was horrible. But then he would get his mules out there and he would pull that manure spreader all over the field and it would take a thin layer of it all over the field. Therefore, the stink wasn't what it was, but then what it did when it went into the ground, it helped the crops grow immensely. Well, that's just like in investing. Investing is like manure. If you have it all in one place, it's probably going to really stink. But if you spread it out, understand that it's going to make things grow. So it's important that you do not put all of your eggs into one basket. You need to diversify. If one thing goes down, another thing can go up and vice versa. And that ends up making it much wiser with what you're doing. Now, the third thing is this when it comes to investing rules. Don't try to get rich quick. So many people try to do that. And Paul told Timothy this in 1 Timothy 6 and 9. He said, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation. What do they fall into? Say it. They fall into temptation and are what? What's that word? They're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. How many of you have ever fallen into temptation and got trapped by a get-rich-quick scheme? I'm going to raise my hand first. Look, look here, look here, look here. People all across the audience here. Sometimes the best way to be able to double your money in this life is to fold it up and stick it back in your pocket. Okay? That's a fact. You got to be careful what you're being told about. Look at Proverbs 13 and in verse 11. It says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Let's park there for a moment. Let me ask this question. From about over 30 years ago, there was a great thing it came through called the airplane. How many of you ever remember the airplane thing that you would get on for so much money? Raise your hands. I'll call. I want everybody to be able to see. Yeah, it was an airplane pyramid scheme is really what it was. And I jumped on the airplane scheme at a tune of $1,500. And I was supposed to be able to get off of that plane soaring out of, out of the airport there with $12,000. So man, I put that $1,500 in it and I was sore. Next thing you know, I didn't land. I crashed and I burned. I never saw that $12,000. But then 
First time, shame on them. Second time, shame on me. There was a $100 airplane. Said, if you'll get on this $100 airplane, you can get off with $800. So, I took off again. I took off again with that $100 airplane. And man, I thought I'm fixing to land. I'm going to have $800. And boom, crash and burn. $1,600 of stupidity on my part trying to get rich quick on a pyramid scheme. I have someone in my family that's tried every get-rich-quick scheme that you can ever think of, heard of, read about, tell about, and Google it on the Internet. And he, they're still not rich. So I just want you to understand these schemes will get the best of you. Look at the last part of the verse. It says, wealth from what? Say those two words. Some of you don't like it, two words. Wealth from, say it loud, two words. Go. Hard work grows over time. Money plus time plus consistency plus faithfulness equals what? Wealth. That's what it equals. It's wealth. Money plus time plus consistency plus faithfulness to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that owns it all equals wealth. Wealth, hard work over a period of time. Now, everybody here at some point in time are going to transition and go to a retirement time. There's, if God lets you live, there's going to come a point in time that you're going to need to be able to have some money because you may not have the health or the wherewithal to be able to work. So you need to think about that today. When's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the next best time to plant a tree? Today today. So, if you go on, if you go and you can look up a daily savings calculator, I, I did this myself, check it out. Here's a daily, here's a screenshot I got of this. Daily savings calculator, let's just say you haven't done it yet. You say your age, just round number, 55. Age 55, you're, you're going to, now the retirement age of full Social Security is 67. Let's just say you're going to save $5 per day. And at 8% interest, that means up and down, up and down, whatever it is, just a round number. That means you save, uh, wait a minute, they switched it back up for a second, back up for a second. Uh, they got ahead of me right there, $36,000. That's not a lot of money. I mean, not for this day and time. But then if you started at 40 years old, those of us in the 40 age range here, check out this next one here. If you do the same thing on age 40 right here and $5 a day at the 8% return, look at how it jumps up to $171,000 plus. Now, those of you that are in the 30 year range at your age right now, look how it keeps multiplying right here. Check this out. When it goes to 30, it goes from that 170-something thousand up to over $400,000 going up to the age 67. Now, how many of you here are in the 18 to 20-year-old range? Raise your hand all across the audience, okay? All of you, check this out. If you start now saving $5 a day and you retire at 67, you could be a millionaire. But it takes diligence to give direction to the money that God is blessing you with. How many of you here really want to be a good steward of what God is blessing your life with? Would you just raise your hand and say, I want to do that. I believe that about you. You've got to make a decision. If you don't want to be strapped, do it God's way. Or God can't bless you with more so that you can really become a blessing. So what I'm challenging you today is, is to do it God's way. 
How many of you here would like to be a great investor? Raise your hand. Yes. So not only investing in your future and your children and your children's children, but also I want to hope and pray that you get out of debt and you're able to really live like no one else now so you can live later like no one else because money, understanding this, it is simply a tool to be leveraged, listen to this, for the glory of God. Everything we have that He lets us have is to be leveraged for the glory of God. However, being rich financially isn't the only way to invest. Jesus didn't teach about saving money for when He was older. He taught more about stewardship than heaven or hell. So what did He talk about? He talked about investing in people. The kingdom of God is what He talked about. And so my prayer is that you will invest in your relationship with God. And as you invest in your relationship with God and you get to know God better and you know His heart from His Word and you, you apply it to your life, then these things I've talked about, it's not hard to do. Your relationship with God is so important to you, you want to be pleasing to God, not pleasing to yourself. So you not only invest in that relationship with God, you invest in the relationship that you have if you're married or going to get married. You invest in the relationship you have with your kids. You invest in the relationship you have with your church and, and with your friendships. And you know what? If you do in the process, working the plan and planning the work and you get rich financially, remember, it's not all for you. It's just not. It's from God to be used to build the kingdom of God and see souls not suffer a devil's hell. And that's why he blesses our lives. Would you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I'm so, so thankful, God, for the opportunity, God, to be able to get biblical directions for what you bless us with to be able to apply that to our lives. We live in a world where the temptation and the allure of everything else grabs our attention, God, and it's just like a dog-eat-dog competitive world. Who can outdo who and who has the most? And I know it's always been said, those that die with the most toys win. No, that's not true. They still die. And people fight over what they left. So God, I pray in Jesus' name right now, God, for those that are not applying these biblical principles, God, that they will to get in the blessable position that their lives be blessed so in turn they become a blessing for your glory and honor for your kingdom right now as your heads bow and your eyes are closed how many of you here you know that you've had a tough time but you know that you're going to make a commitment you want to be able to start doing your financial stewardship the way God's word says so you can be blessed and be a blessing. If that's you today, just shoot your hand up real quick. Say, that's what I want to do. Thank you. God bless you. Father, I pray for these hands that go up right now and it's gone up. I pray, God, that you would touch their lives and give them strength through the leadership and the love of your Holy Spirit in their life to be able to make changes that's needful. Yes, I pray, God, you're going to give them a spirit of endurance because it's not easy. It's not easy to say no now so we can say yes later. It's not easy to, to live like no one else now so we can live like no one else later. So I pray, God, for strength for them in Jesus' name right now. Bless them, God. 
I pray, God, that we can be an encouragement to one another in this realm of where people hurt so much and they struggle so much and they live strapped. Bless them, Jesus. As we continue praying right now, the greatest investors are investing in the things that matter most. And the greatest investor was Jesus who invested in my eternity and yours. Jesus came down the stairway of heaven to do his Father's will, to be able to invest in you and I and humanity to take care of our sin debt because we couldn't. He came down the stairway of heaven. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He was impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was not born in sin, but he was a sinless man that walked this earth 33 years doing more than the books could contain, the Scripture says, blessing people's lives. Then he did what only he could do as the sinless Lamb of God. He took my place and he took your place on the cross of Calvary to die for our sins with his sinless life. And because he done that, we have the opportunity to know him and a free pardon of sin and to have a great life now and a great life for eternity in heaven. And it doesn't get any better than that. So you have the opportunity if you have not asked him to be the Lord of your life, to reap in on the greatest dividend of a blessing for your heart and soul to be saved, have your name written and reservation in heaven so that one day when you leave here and the death rate is still 100%, you're going to leave here. When you close your eyes in death, you wake up with Jesus for eternity. It doesn't get any better than that. And he will bless your life to the full as you live here now. So if you've never, as your head's bowed now, because if you've never given your heart to Christ and he's knocking on your heart, he's saying, I want to save your soul. I want to come into your heart. Would you simply just lift your hand straight up real quick? Lift your hand straight up and say, that's me today, pastor. I need to ask him to be the Lord of my life. God bless you. I see your hand, sister. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just lift your hand real quick and say, that's me today, pastor. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Anyone else? If you feel him knocking on your heart, that's the one that created your life, wanting to come into your heart and give you life now and for eternity. All right, those of you that lifted your hand, would you just pray right now and just, and just tell him, say, Lord, I open my heart to you today. I asked you to come in to my heart. I believe in you, that you came, that you lived, and you died for my sins. I asked you to forgive me of my sins. I asked you to be able to bring salvation into my heart, and I want to be born again in you. Save me. My life is yours, Jesus. Now, if you prayed that and you meant that from the depths of your soul, angels are rejoicing in heaven as your name is written in the book in heaven. So thank him for that right now, right where you're at. And give him thanks for that. He's going to give you the leadership of the Holy Spirit, his presence in your life. And you need to be baptized. We're having a baptism in December. And we want to be able to let us know that you've given your life to Jesus. We want to give you a Bible. We want to celebrate this day of salvation coming to your heart. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for being the great investment in us. May we be great investments in you and your kingdom of stewarding that which you've blessed us with, that we become a blessing. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, amen. Amen. Let's worship, church.